Hi, this is Felix Meranyika, lead pastor of Kairos Christian Center in Lilonga, Malawi. I am happy that you have joined us for the Kairos Lilonga podcast, and I believe God is going to inspire you and break you through into your kingdom destiny as you hear the word unpack. This is your Kairos moment, God's appointed season for your kingdom breakthrough. House of Haman. Then Esther spoke again to the king. She fell at his feet and wept and pleaded with him to avert the evil plan of Haman the Agagite and the plot that he had devised against the Jews. When the king held out the gold scepter to Esther, Esther rose and stood before the king. And she said, And the thing seems right before the king. And I am pleased that he let an order be written to read the letters divided by Haman the Agagite, the son of Hamadetha, which he wrote to destroy the Jews who are in all the provinces of the king. For how can I bear to see the calamity that is coming to my people? Or how can I bear to see the destruction of my kindred? Then King Ahasuerus said to Queen Esther and to Mordecai the Jew, Behold, I have given Esther the house of Haman, and they have hanged him on the gallows, because he, int- he intended to lay hands on the Jews. But you may write as you please with regard to the Jews, in the name of the king, and seal it with the king's ring. For an edict written in the name of the king, and sealed with the king's ring, cannot be revoked. The king's scribes were summoned at that time in the third month, which is the month of Sivan, on the twenty-third day. On the twenty-third day, and an edict was written according to all that Mordecai commanded concerning the Jews to the satraps and the governors and the officials of the provinces from India to Ethiopia, a hundred and twenty-seven provinces, to each province in its own script and to each people in its own language, and also to the Jews in their script and their language. He wrote in the name of the king in the name of King Ahasuerus, and sealed it with the king's signet ring. Then he sent the letters by mounted couriers, riding on swift horses that were used in the king's service, bred from the royal stud, saying that the king allowed the Jews who were in every city to gather and defend themselves, to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate any armed force for, of any people or province that might attack them, children and women included, and to plunder their goods. On one day throughout all the provinces, all the provinces of King Ahasuerus on the 13th day of the 12th month, which is the month of Adar. A copy of what was written was to be issued as a decree in every province, being publicly displayed to all peoples, and the Jews were to be ready on that day to take up vengeance on their enemies. So the couriers mounted on their swift horses that were used in the king's service rode out hurriedly, urged by the king's command, and the decree was issued in Susa, the citadel. Then Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in royal robes of blue and white with a great golden crown and a robe of fine shouted and rejoiced. The Jews had light and gladness and joy and honor. And in every province and in every city, wherever the king's command and his edict reached, there was gladness and joy among the Jews, a feast and a holiday. And many from the peoples of the country declared themselves Jews for fear of the Jews had fallen on them. All men are like grass, and their glory like the flowers of the field. Grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God lives on forever. Holy Spirit, we invite you, may you speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. If you see yourself as you are right now, you will be unable to move into the destiny of God. If you see yourself, if your perception of yourself is where you are right now, and that's how you see yourself, you'll be unable to move into the destiny of God. God has a destiny for you. 
God has a kingdom destiny for you, whereby He wants you to fulfill His purpose in the earth. And God expects that you would have this mindset, this mentality, that makes you see yourself as He has said you are. If you see yourself according to your situation, you will not move into the destiny that, ha that God has for you. In fact, if you see yourself just as a victim of circumstances, as a victim of life, as somebody to whom all these bad things happen. And some of us, we are so used to being you know, in this bad place, in this situation, that we've started seeing ourselves according to where we're at. See, that's the thing that life can do to you. Life can get you to the place where you start seeing yourself according to what has surrounded you, or you start seeing yourself according to the troubles that have afflicted you. But you see, there's such a thing as God's breakthrough. And God's breakthrough will transform you from being, from being a victim to being a victor. That's what God's breakthrough does. It transforms you from being a victim to being a victor. Tell your neighbor, God's breakthrough transforms you from being a victim to being a victor. Tell the other neighbor, God's breakthrough transforms you from being a victim to being a victor. And so how does God do that? How does that come about? How does God transform you from being a victim to being a victor? Number one, God grants you resources. God grants you resources. God grants you things that you need. Did you know in the, in the earth you can never operate in the earth without resources? You can never operate in the earth without money. You can never operate in the earth without a house. You can never operate in the earth without resources that only come from the earth. In fact, God expects that you are going to operate in the earth. You are going to bring about His kingdom uh, influence through resources that He gives you. Watch verse number 1, chapter number 8. On that day, King Ahasuerus gave to Queen Esther the house of Haman, the enemy of the Jews. And Mordecai came before the king, for Esther had told what he was to her. Now, watch what's happening. On this day is the day that Haman gets to be hanged. Haman was the enemy of the Jews. Haman was of the, of the tribe of the Amalekites. His grandfather or forefather, Agag, was the king that Saul had told Samuel, I mean, sorry, Samuel had told Saul to go and kill. And so there's this hatred that has existed between the people of God, the Jews, and the Amalekites. In fact, it dates even before that. Because when Israel had come out of the promised land, I mean had come out of, uh, of Egypt, going to the promised land, in Exodus chapter number 17, it was the Amalekites that attacked them. And God had said, you shall always make sure that you, have, you make war with these guys. Because they're stopping you from getting into your inheritance. Oh, and that's the thing that's happening with Haman here. Haman it was going to stop the Jews from getting into their inheritance. Yes, the Jews, at this point in time, you have some of them that have gone back to the promised land. But there's still some that have remained. And Haman, in his plotting, because he hates Mordecai, he felt disrespected by Mordecai, had said that all the Jews in all the 127 provinces of this king were going to be killed. And so, truly, he was the enemy of the people of God. 
But God is God. God and His purposes are going to happen in the earth. And the purposes of God are carried by the people of God. And so God will watch over His people to protect them and to bring them into the divine influence and destiny that He has for them. And so, in a reversal of things, it turns out the man that had planted or that had plotted to kill the Jews is the one that gets killed. And so we're told that on that day, on this day, when Haman, Haman gets killed, here's what happens. God grants to Esther the house of Haman. And it is said that in those days, when a criminal, when somebody wronged the king, what would happen is, that person, yes, would be killed, and then his property would be taken over by the crown, by the king. But watch what God is doing here. Watch what King Ahasuerus does. And this is from God. He gets the resources of Haman, and he brings that to Esther. Oh, that's what God is doing. That's what God always does. Remember, the earth is a contested space, isn't it? Right? The earth and its resources are contested space. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of darkness, they're against each other. And this kingdom will take from that kingdom, and that kingdom will take from that kingdom. Because it's about influence. May you wake up, please. And start realizing the resources that you have, the job that you have, the shop that you have. It's either in the kingdom or for the kingdom or outside of the kingdom. It's either for God or it is not for God. The job that you have, it's either influence for the kingdom of God or influence for the kingdom of darkness. And so here's what God does. He ensures that Ahasuerus takes the property of Haman and it is passed on now to Esther. And at that point in time, we're told in verse number 2, that that's the time now that Esther says, Oh, uh, Mordecai is actually my uncle. In fact, he's more than my uncle. He's the one that raised me because I'm an orphan. And he's a Jew too. And so the revelation comes that, Ah, okay, so you people are related. Now what do you do? Watch this. Why didn't Esther say this before? She was waiting for the opportune time. I don't know if you watch a lot of spy movies, but in spy movies you hear stuff like, well, it's on a need-to-know basis. They won't tell you the whole information. They'll only tell you the information that you need to know. And so maybe here too, it's on a need-to-know basis. Because if this had been known earlier, maybe it would have compromised the whole thing, the whole operation. Right? And so then, we're told that um, Mordecai came before the king, for Esther had told, had, told, had told what he was to her. And look at verse 2. And the king took off his signet ring, which he had taken from Haman, and gave it to Mordecai. And Esther said Mordecai over the house of Haman. So the king takes his signet ring. Signet ring was really the authority of the king in a sense. Because when the king issued a decree, a letter would be written. And it was the signet ring of the king that would be the stamp. That would say, the king has endorsed this. And so this is going to go. Right? And so that has been given now to Mordecai. Now aren't you watch again. We're told the house of Haman was given to Esther. Right? Mordecai comes before the king. They tell the king that Mordecai is Esther's uncle. And the king says, oh, okay, here's my signet ring to you, Mordecai. And what does Esther do? Well, the things that I have taken from Haman, guess what, Mordecai? They're coming to you. I want you to watch this. I want you to watch this. Whenever God is shifting gears and changing gears in terms of moving his kingdom forward, he grants to his people resources. Whenever God is shifting gears, taking his people to the next level, 
He grants them resources. And so we see this in Exodus chapter Exodus chapter number 12. The children of Israel are just coming out of, a, of, a, of, a, of, 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 of Egypt. Right? God has killed the firstborn of everything in Egypt. The last plague has happened. And we're told that God had told Moses to tell every person in Israel to go to his neighbor or her neighbor uh, uh, who is Egyptian and to ask of them gold, jewelry, and stuff like that. And we're told in verse number 35 that in chapter number 12 of Exodus that the children of Israel did so. Each one asked his neighbor of gold, of jewelry, and all that stuff, and the people of Egypt gave them. And it and so Israel plundered Egypt. Hallelujah. Is that me? And so Israel plundered Egypt. What's happening? God is taking His people into the next level. Where they're going to go into the promised land. Where they're going to build His tabernacle. And so God realizes that these people need resources. Oh, fast forward. Fast forward and, and come to Isaiah chapter number 45. God is speaking before the act actually happens. He says, I'm going to raise up Cyrus. And this Cyrus is going to go and I'm going to give him the hidden riches of darkness. Now Cyrus was not even a Jewish king. He wasn't a Jewish king. But he was the one that set the children of Israel free from the Babylonian captivity. And here's what he said in Ezra chapter number 1. Cyrus actually said, if, if there is any man of the house of Israel who would like to return to the promised land and build the house of his God, guess what? You are free to go. Not only are you free to go, here are the resources. Here are the monies that you need and everything that you need. Just ask me, I'm going to give you. God changing gears. When he speaks through Haggai, encouraging the people that have returned to the promised land to build the temple of God. He says, listen... The silver is mine. The gold is mine. He says once more, I'll shake the heavens and the earth and the treasures of the nations will come and this house will be greater than the house that was before it. That's how God works. When He brings His breakthrough, He wants to give you more resources so you can get to the next level. Why is it that God isn't breaking through for you? Why is it that you are not getting the resources? Could it be? That God's kingdom is not number one in your life. Because he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And these things will be added unto you. Are you making the kingdom number one? Are you seeing your life in the light of the calling of God upon your life? Oh, but I'm not a pastor. Well, the calling of God is not just for pastors. Every one of us is called. Oh, some of you have been called in the banking sector. Some of you have been called in the medical field. Some of you have been called in all sorts of different places. Everywhere where God has set you. God expects that you are going to live for Him. And when you live for Him, He will not spare His resources. Oh, may God grant to you. Oh, may God open doors for you. May God bring that capital that you need in your business in the name of Jesus Christ. May God bring the scholarship that you need to get in the next level of, of academia. May God bring everything that you need to you. Because He is ready and He has resources and He wants to do it. Joel tells the children of Israel, Joel chapter 2 verse number 25. He says what the cankerworm stole, I'm going to bring it back to you. May God restore to you. 
May that which you have lost, may it be restored. Oh, some of us are not moving forward, have not moved forward for quite a while. And we see ourselves just the very same place where we are. I'm here to tell you, my friend, God wants to move you forward. He wants to bring that restoration. But it's not going to happen if you don't make Him first. You have to make Him first. When you make Him first, He says, Okay, now I can draw near to you. Because you have drawn near to me. Hallelujah. How does God transform you from a victim into a victor? Well, first of all, God grants you resources. Secondly, God grants you favor. God grants you favor. See, God is going to bring people into your life that are kingdom connections that will take you to the next level. That's what's going to happen. God will bring kingdom people into your life that will take you to the next level. Oh no, they don't even have to be believers. Do you know that the earth and its fullness are His? Everyone that walks or that lives on the face of the earth belongs to God. So watch what happens with Esther. Verse number 3. Then Esther spoke again to the king. She fell at his feet and wept and pleaded with him to avert the evil plan of Haman, the Agagite, and the plot that he had devised against the Jews. Now watch this. Nobody could just come before the king without the king summoning them. If you came before the king and he did not summon you, and if he didn't lift up his golden scepter, you were dead. You were dead. And people dreaded to go to the king without being summoned. In fact, when Mordecai hears of the plot of, uh, of Haman and tells, and tells Esther to go to the king, the first thing Esther says, no, you, you know nobody can just show up before the king. Even I, I haven't been there in a month now. Right? If he doesn't lift up his scepter for me, it means that I am dead. So she was scared. In fact, Mordecai had to speak some threatening prophetic words. You know there's some threatening prophetic words. Yeah. He says, listen, Esther, if you're not going to do this, help is going to come for, for the Jews from some other place, but you and your house are going to perish. Don't think that just because you're in the king's palace, you're going to be spared. No. That's when Esther says, okay, okay, okay. Uh, I and my, and, and, and my maidens were going to fast for three days. And you should do likewise too. So in other words, this was a scary thing to do. But watch, she goes right back there. You see, there's something about something that you conquer. Something that you have conquered, you really have no fear to conquer it again. And so something that she had fear for, now because she's on another level, she knows that's nothing. I mean, God has broken through for me here before. I can go right back there and ask for this again. Hallelujah. Oh, may God give you breakthroughs. You see, for somebody that has not gone through that breakthrough, they will not understand you. Eh? They've never been there. They've never seen God do that thing for them. And so when you say God can do such, such a thing, they don't think it can happen. It has never happened to them. But it has happened to Esther. And so Esther knows that no, God has done it before. And so I go right back. Is she fasting for three days just to go again and see the king? No, she has gotten her breakthrough. Hallelujah. See, when you slay some giants on this level, uh, you, when you meet them again, you can slay them again. Mm -hmm. when, when they're on this level and you've slain them before, you can slay them again when they come back. And so there she is, back in the king's palace. And she's down there weeping and, and pleading with the king. What is she pleading? Here's what we're told. Here's what we're told. Uh, she's pleading against the evil plot of Haman. 
Watch verse number 4. It says, When the king held out the golden scepter to Esther, Esther rose and stood before the king. And she said, If it please the king, and if I have found favor in his sight, and if the thing seems right before the king, and I am pleasing in his eyes, let an order be written to revoke the letters devised by him and the Agagite, the son of Hamdetha, which he wrote to destroy the Jews who were in all the provinces of the king. For how can I bear to see the calamity that is coming to my, pe to my people? How can, I bear to, how, how can I bear to see the destruction of my people? Now I want you to watch this. The fact that Haman has died does not mean the plot against the Jews has died. Because Haman had met the king to write a letter, a decree to say on a particular day, all the Jews should be killed in King Ahasuerus' kingdom. So that is still on. The fact that Haman is dead does not mean that the threat is gone. The threat is still there. Because the king's decree cannot be revoked. Once he has written it, once he has said it, that's it. And so, she comes before the king to plead, she says, on behalf of her people. Tell your neighbor, on behalf of her people. Very important. See, Queen Esther, Mordecai, they are safe. Mordecai has the king's signet ring, isn't it? So on that day, when that day comes, they are safe, isn't it? When that day comes, Queen Esther is safe. But how about the people? There must be the recognition in Esther that my people are not just another people. They are the people of God. They are the ones through whom the promises to the rest of the world are going to come through. Remember God had told Abraham, I'll give you land, I'll give you descendants. And the other thing, I'll make you a blessing to the nations. In other words, through Abraham, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, is going to come through. And so the people of God at this point in time are being threatened. And Esther understands this is about the purposes of God. Here's somebody. Here's a leader who cares for other people. Oh, that would have leaders like those in Malawi, don't you think? Oh, that would have leaders like those that would actually care. For the lot of the people. That will actually say that, no, no, this is not going right. We heard in the newspapers, some government official is looking for 64 million kwacha to furnish his office. 64 million kwacha to furnish his office. I mean, that's absurd, isn't it? And these are supposed people to be people that are working for us. And here we are suffering. No electricity, nothing working, business going down. I mean, look, if you walk around in Lilongwe, there's no money. You can actually see it. I was at the city center on Friday, Friday afternoon. Maybe I haven't been there in a long time, but you know, it was empty. No people out there. You know, there used to be that other place uh, where they would do the bride thing and sell meat and everything. Not the Mayunis, but the other place, right? Empty. Why? Money is hard to get right now. Money is hard to get right now. And how can you have somebody or a government that spends so much money on itself? That's why I'm urging you. The 13th of December, you should go and march in Jesus' name. Yes, it's our responsibility to speak to those that are in authority that you're not doing right. And you must change. That's what salt and light is about. We have the privilege, we're living in a country where we're actually allowed to do that. Isn't it? 
So go out there and match. Express your, your, your dissatisfaction with the way the country is being run. And so it's not about the election, election uh, whatever bill. It's not just about that. Electoral reform bill, that's what it's called, isn't it? Right? It's not just about that. It's, Park is also saying that it's also about the way this country is being governed. So you're matching about the electricity. You're matching about all those things that are not right. Amen? I'm sure you heard this story in, in is it in Chikwao and Sanya, the district hospital? There were 28 mattresses that were, 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 were stolen overnight after they'd been donated the day before. And when they, the, the police did their investigations, they found out that it was the people that worked there. And so, I think last week, they sent us, uh, they, they sent us two of the officers to you know, some years imprisonment because of that. Where do you think these junior officers are getting the idea that they can steal the resources of the, of the nation just like that? They're getting it from the top, isn't it? That's where they're getting it. So this country is rotten, I tell you. It is rotten. And so you must express your dissatisfaction with the way things are being done. Hallelujah. Amen. I wish I was in in Lilongwe this week. Because if I was in Lilongwe, I was going to be there. I'm going to be in Mangoji. I hope in Mangoji they have something like that. Amen. Leaders must love their people. Leaders must, that's what, leadership is a responsibility. It's not a privilege. Esther understands that. That it's not just about me. I can, I can save myself in here. I'm in good books with the king. Nothing can happen to me. They can hide me or something. But how about my people? How about the people of God? How about the ones that are supposed to bring the purposes of God to pass? What does it mean for you and for me? When we do things, we just don't do things for ourselves. Listen, you're a part of the people of God if you're born again. You're a Christian. Your brothers, your sisters are the Christians. Oh, I tell you. The, this is, you know they say blood is thicker than water. The blood of Jesus is thicker than the blood out there. Amen. Amen. And so God expects that when you do what you're doing, you are doing it for the sake of His kingdom, for the sake of His people. She is not about herself. Unfortunately, many of us, we want the blessings of God. We want God to move in our lives for us. We're not even caring about the next person. We don't care. It's not supposed to be like that. And so watch the king answering her. In verse number 7, Then King Ahasuerus said to Queen Esther and to Mordecai the Jew, Behold, I have given Esther the house of Haman, and they have hanged him on the gallows, because he intended to lay hands on the Jews. But you may write as you please with regard to the Jews, in the name of the king and seal it with the king's ring for an edict written in the name of the king sealed with the king's ring cannot be revoked. What's he saying? He's saying, listen, I've done my part. What Haman owned, I have passed it on to you. That shall have come to me because Haman wronged me, isn't it? Right? So, but I've passed it on to you, favor. And watch, when a decree goes out, it cannot be revoked. So, maybe what you should do is you do another decree. You, Mordecai, have the signet ring. You make another decree from the king so that your people can get protected. Wow! Even the whole king is listening to them. That's favor! That is favor! God has placed the king in the path of these people so that his purposes can happen through them. Oh, may God grant you people like that. Oh, it's something, a theme that goes through scripture, isn't it? 
If you remember the, the, the story of Joseph. Oh, God just puts people in his life that help him to go to the next level, isn't it? Oh, Daniel and his friends, when they come at the point of realizing, they're also in Babylon. When they come at the point of realizing that, mm -mm, we don't want to be defiled by the king's delicacies. Daniel understood, me living in the king's house, me having all this bling and all this nice stuff, it can get to my head. So it says in Daniel 1 verse number 8, that he set his heart to separate himself, not to defile himself with the king's delicacies. So he set it in his heart, that I don't want to get it to my head. You see, the problem with a lot of us, is that when God blesses us, it goes to our heads. It goes to our heads. So we're okay like this in church, on Sunday, we really don't have much. But let us become billionaires. It goes to our heads. And so Daniel has said, no, 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 no. I'm not going to allow myself to be defiled by the king's delicacies. I'll set myself apart to God. And so uh, I'm going to ask the, the, king of the, 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 the chief of the eunuchs that they should not give us any of the king's food, but they should just be giving us vegetables. He approaches the eunuch and the eunuch says, listen, what you're asking me will cost me my life. He says, no, no, just try us these 10 days. And the eunuch says, okay, I'll try now, here's somebody that has actually said, I'll do it even though it may cost my life. I don't know how it's going to work out. I've never seen it that somebody can eat the diet that you're going to be eating and they still look just like everybody else. I've never seen that. In my whole life, I've never seen that. I don't have any reason to trust that that can happen. And what is at stake here is my life. And yet, that person says, okay, I'm going to do it. Oh, favor. Favor. Favor, even though he doesn't understand, he says, I'm going to do it for you. Oh, may God bring favor into your life. May God connect you to people that will help you go to the next level. You don't need to have resources, my friend. At times, you, don't even, you won't even have those resources. But God will bring somebody along that will help you to go to the next level. Listen, serving God is not wasting time. Serving God is not wasting time. Giving to God is not wasting time. Giving to God and serving God is really ensuring that God takes you to the place where you can never get to. I mean, how could these people speak to the king like that? I mean, on what grounds? I mean, who benefits from all this stuff? It's not the king. These are the guys that are benefiting, isn't it? I mean, the king may as well say that, look, you guys are wasting my time. I've done enough for you. I've killed Haman. Get out of my face. He could have easily said that. But favor has come upon their lives. Why? Because they trust God. It's not what you know at times. It's who you know. It's not what you know at times. It's who you know. And God will bring people. Will bring people into your path that will help you to get to the next level. Oh, you know what that means? It means that you, in your dreams, you dream big. You dream big because God can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ever ask or imagine, according to the power that works in you. You dream big. You dream big. Oh, you too can get into a, a PhD program at the University of Bonn, I think, and you will be out of a hundred, out of eight hundred and something people, one of the twenty-five that's get, that gets chosen. And not just twenty-five, and not just get chosen when, the de when you have applied within the deadline, but after the deadline. That's a story, that's a, the, the, the testimony we heard here, isn't it? As if you talk to him, 
he'll tell you stuff like, man, in that class, there were guys from Oxford and Cambridge and you know, the best universities in the world. And I was, ask, I was asking myself, what am I doing here? I'm only from Malawi. Fefer! Fefer! Fefer that even a professor from somewhere who doesn't even know you can say, listen, I want you to join the program. And then when you do apply very late, he remembers, that's the guy, and he, he takes you in. Fefer! I tell you, when you separate yourself to God, your purpose is to God, God will open doors for you that no man can shut. God transforms you. Oh, God's breakthrough transforms you from a victim to a victor. How? God grants you resources. Two, God grants you favor. Three, God grants you authority. Watch verse number nine. The king's scribes were summoned at that time in the third month, which is the month of, of Sivan on the 23rd day. And an edict was written according to all that Mordecai commanded concerning the Jews to the satraps and the governors and the officials of the provinces from India to Ethiopia, 127 provinces, to each province in its own script and to each people in its own language and also to the Jews in their script and their language. Watch this. Watch what's happening. Immediately, scribes are summoned. Scribes will be like secretaries. They'll be the educated people, the ones that would know the law and stuff like that. And so they, they draft out this letter. And guess what? Guess who's commanding? Mordecai. This is happening at the command of Mordecai. Mordecai now has authority. He has been given the signet ring. Hallelujah. So he has the authority right now. So he commands them. Calls him. Hey, listen. All you guys come in. Quick, 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 quick. And they run. And then we're told. Verse number, 12, verse number 10. And he wrote in the name of the king, of King Ahasuerus, and sealed it with the king's signet ring. Then he sent the letters by mounted couriers riding on swift horses that were used in the king's service, bred from the royal stud, saying that the king allowed the Jews who were, to, who were in every city to gather and defend themselves, to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate any armed force of any people or province that might attack them, children and women included, and to plunder their goods. Watch this. He has authority. He has even the political authority. Remember Haman had the political authority. Haman also had the signet ring, isn't it? But now the signet ring, in a reversal of fortunes, the signet ring has now come to Mordecai. And so he gives the command. The political authority has come to him. And then couriers are sent on horses from the royal house. And we're told that these horses were special horses. They were bred by the stud of the royal, uh, by the stud of the king. So it's not just any horse. And they go out and they start spreading the news. This is what is going to happen. Notice, even here, there's the authority, the military authority. Because the children of Israel now have been given the authority that they can defend themselves. Anybody who rises against them on that day, they can defend themselves. Yes, they are to kill. They are also to annihilate anybody that comes against them. In other words, the very same things that were said about them, they're the very same things that they will do to their enemies. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Right? They have authority. Right? And we're told that this is supposed to happen. Verse number 12, on one day throughout all the provinces of King Ahasuerus, on the 13th day of the 12th month, which is the month of Adar. 
A copy, what, of, a copy of what was written was to be issued as a decree in every province, being publicly displayed to all peoples, and the Jews were to be ready on that day to take, to take vengeance on their enemies. So the couriers, mounted on their swift horses that were used in the king's service, rode out hurriedly, urged by the king's command, and the decree was issued in Susa, the citadel. Watch, there must be responsibility. We are told that the Jews were to be ready on that day to take vengeance on their enemies. Amen. There must be responsibility. The Jews must be ready on that day to take revenge on their enemies. If the enemies are coming for you and you say, no, Ahmed, I know Esther, I know Mordecai, we actually had tea this morning, it's not going to help you. It's not going to help you. You are going to be killed nicely. You get it? You're going to be killed nicely. You must take responsibility. You also, when they're coming against you, you should come against them. Hallelujah. See, the enemy is not playing. Some of you are thinking the enemy is playing. Now, when we read this story, the enemy obviously is today Satan, isn't it? Satan is our enemy. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. Isn't it? So Satan is our enemy, and Satan is set on stopping you. He does not want that business to work. He doesn't want that business to work. Because he knows that when, it, when God blesses you, you are going to be giving to the kingdom of God. Amen. He knows that. He, he doesn't want you to get promoted. He wants you to be fired. And fired unceremoniously. And fired in such a way, you never get another job. That's the enemy. He's not there to be nice to you. He's there to kill, to annihilate, to destroy. That's what he's there. But if you do not take responsibility, if you just keep looking at things and saying, oh no, ah, whatever it is that you say, throwing a pity party, the enemy will swallow you whole. I'm telling you, if you don't exercise your authority, the enemy will swallow you whole. You must do your part. Oh, Jesus told his disciples, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and nothing shall harm you. He said, listen, on this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. In other words, the gates of hell will not stand against the church. Oh, but we have a church that doesn't even know its authority. Every little thing that the enemy throws our way, we're down, we're on the floor. Listen, the enemy wants to take away your faith. The enemy wants to take away your faith. The enemy knows as long as you're believing, as long as you have this confidence of what God has called you to do, you are undefeatable. That's what he knows. And so what he will do is erode your faith, bring things into your life, make things happen in your life that will make you to shift your eyes from Jesus and start looking at your problem. And so here we are, many of us, looking at our problems. Many of us, the fire that we had, the passion that we had for the kingdom of God, for the church, for Kairos, it's not there anymore. Why? We're looking at our situations. Nobody's taking care of me. Nothing is happening to me. Oh, you know, it's just every man for himself. Oh, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just be a Christian. You know, I'm used to doing this. In any case, getting drunk and smoking is a bad idea. I mean, I lost all my money doing that. And so I'll just be a nice person and work hard at my job. Work hard at my business. Work hard at my school. Because that's what matters. You got it wrong. This enemy has already defeated you. This enemy has lied to you that you don't have a destiny in God. This enemy has shifted your direction in God. 
Because you see, your direction in God is always looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of your salvation. That's what it's about. Looking to Him and doing the things that He has called you to do. If you don't take up the weapons of your warfare, if you don't stand on the Word of God and His promises, I tell you, my friend, you will be down. And Christianity will soon become boring. And God will become disappointing. Show me somebody that is disappointed with, by God. I'll show you somebody that is a victim. Show me somebody who's disappointed by God. I'll show you a victim. That person sees themselves as a victim. I have lost out. I can't do anything. Everything I try doesn't work out. Victim. But when you come at a point where you take responsibility. Where you realize it's a crazy fallen world. Bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen to God's people. It's a fallen crazy world. When you wake up to that fact. And wake up to the fact that, listen, God has given me authority. That the things that He wants me to do in the earth, I will accomplish. He has given me resources. He has given me favor. He has given me authority. When you start thinking like that, and start going to God, and speaking what God has said about you, I tell you, the enemy will run away from you. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you, the word of God says. Oh, it's time to take on the weapons of your warfare. It's time to take on the weapons of your warfare. The weapons of our warfare, they're mighty in God in bringing down strongholds. What strongholds? Those strongholds of poverty. Those crazy patterns of thinking that make you think that God can come through for you. Bring those things down. Oh, some of us, what we need is really just to come into a place where we worship God. I tell you, worship is powerful. It looses chains. It breaks things that can never be broken, even with preaching, my friend. Because the very presence of God comes into that place. And I always wonder, some of you always walk into church late. And you think the most important thing is the, is the preaching. No, the most important thing is the presence of God. And it starts with our praising, with our worship, and even in the Word. Because what you're doing, instead of you exposing yourself to the two full hour experience with God, you just have just bits and pieces. There are some elements of our service that will touch you a particular way. There are some other elements of our service that will touch you another way. If you miss some of those elements, you're going to miss the whole touch of God upon your life. Tell your neighbor you have authority. Tell him exercise your authority. Hallelujah. It says, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and nothing shall harm you. Oh, he says that we're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus far above every principality, every name that can be named in this age and in the age that is to come. He says, put on the full armor of God. Put on the full armor of God because of the day of evil. The day of evil is going to come. It's not if it comes, when it comes. Put on the full armor of God. Get your loins with the belt of truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Fit your feet with the quickness that comes with the gospel of peace. Take up the shield of faith with which to extinguish the devil's fiery darts. Put on the helmet of salvation. And take the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. If nobody can do that for you. Nobody can do that for you. Can anybody pray for you? The way that you need to be prayed for? Probably none. Can anybody eat for you? They eat and you get full? Uh-uh, it doesn't work that way, isn't it? Yeah, so in this case too, really, the, 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 the pivotal battles, 
The battles that will bring change to your life. The battles that will take you to the next level. You must fight those battles yourself. Yes, we can help you. Yes, we can lift you up. Yes, we can do all sorts of things. But there are some battles that you must come out and fight. If you don't come out and fight, no victory. You must exercise your authority. Here's the last one. God grants you honor. So, how does God... uh, um, how does God's kingdom break through, transform you from being a victim to a victor? Finally, God grants you honor. Verse number 15, Then Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in royal robes of blue and white, with a great crown and a robe of fine linen and purple. And the city of Susa shouted and rejoiced. So watch, Mordecai went in there with his other clothes. Mm-hmm. He went in there with his other clothes, but he comes out with a royal robe of blue and white, the colors of the kingdom. And a golden crown. I mean, there's no mistaking about this guy and who he is. I mean, he even has the signet ring. Listen, 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 listen. When you move into the destiny that God has for you, I tell you, God transforms you and changes you. He transforms you and He changes you. And so here we see there's a promotion that has come upon Him. A promotion. A kingdom promotion. I'm emphasizing kingdom promotion. Because some of you are thinking, Oh, you know, when God promotes me, then I'll be, I'll be putting on the real Gucci The real Versace suits. Not the ones from China. <laughs> but the real ones. And so that's a mark that things are working out for me. And so everybody that's, that, that's driving um, a German car. I was just telling guys this morning that, you know what, German cars are something else, but I'd like to get one. But it's not like, oh, when somebody's driving a Mercedes, then it means that stuff is working out for him. Maybe for them, it would be a kingdom promotion. For somebody else, it may not be that, isn't it? Yeah. Kingdom promotion is God moving us to a place of influence that he has set over us. Amen. It's a place of influence that God has for you. It's not a car. It's not a house. It's not living in a particular area. No, it looks different for different people. But there's a promotion. You can visibly see it. That's not the same Mordecai that walked in there. This is a different person. And I tell you, when that happens, when the shifting is seen and is evident, people recognize that. Now you can actually say, that the king has recognized what has happened to Mordecai. The king has recognized that no, uh, these guys are moving with God. Amen. They have recognized, he has recognized these people are moving with God. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to stand beside this. Hallelujah. 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 It says when, uh, if it, if, uh, when a man's ways pleases the Lord, the Lord makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Hallelujah. When a man's ways pleases the Lord, the Lord makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. May your enemies come at a point of recognizing God's hand is on this person. And guess what happens? The city rejoices. Watch. Here's what it says. And the city of Susa shouted and rejoiced. The Jews had, had light and gladness and joy and honor. And in every province and in every city, wherever the king's command and his edict 
Edric Rich, there was gladness and joy among the people, a feast and a holiday. Notice, notice Mordecai is being celebrated. Now watch it, Mordecai is the one that instigated the whole thing, isn't it? He's the one that goes to Esther and says, listen, you must do something about it. Isn't it? He's the one that was crying out in the city square in Susa, saying, God, please help us. Isn't it? And so now, what he has been doing is paying off. Even people notice it. Even people see the favor of God upon him, and they celebrate with him. And so here he is, a celebrated person. Celebrated because of what he has done for the Lord. I tell you, it's something that you find in scripture. Remember that, that Levite by the name of Joseph? Who had sold his lands and brought the, the money and brought that money at the apostles' feet. Then the apostles changed his name. He says, no, 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 you, you, you're a son of encouragement. I don't know what financial need they had then. But this money came at the right time. It was an answer from God. And so they changed his name, son of encouragement, Barnabas. Why? Oh, well, you have come through for us. Oh, I tell you, my friend, start serving people. Start serving people and start being useful to people and people will start celebrating you. Sometimes you wonder, why is it that people don't, don't like me? Well, what's there to like about you? What's there to like about you? What do you do for other people? I know, nobody, nobody ever comes to visit me. Nobody ever cares for me. Da, da, da. How many people have you visited again? Oh, you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. What you sow is what you're going to reap. And so here it is, we are seeing a reaping, a harvesting of what Mordecai has done. He has lived for the people. He cares for the people. He was ready to die for the people. And so there is recognition that comes upon him. Even from the king, even from the people, he is celebrated. Hallelujah. Oh, may you be celebrated. May you be celebrated. May people be happy to see you. May people say that, oh, you are the answer to our situation. You are the answer to our problem. See, you're only, you're either an answer or a problem. Hmm? You're either a problem or the solution. Ask your neighbor, what are you? And so there's joy, there's gladness, there's actually a feast and a holiday, we are told. And watch it, in the book of Esther, there are feasts. These people are party animals. I wish I lived in this place, my friend. These people are partying. Something happens, there's a feast. Something happens, there's a feast. Something happens, oh king, come to my house, I'll throw a feast for you. The king comes, okay, Esther, what is it that you want? Oh, listen, come tomorrow, there's another feast for you. Come, we're, we're going to talk over the feast. Ha, ah, feast all over the place. We're living in the wrong time, wrong, wrong kingdom. Hmm? Probably they had as many feasts as we have blackouts, maybe, I don't know. I pray, O oh Lord, that our blackouts are turned to feasts. But watch though. He says, and many from the peoples of the country declared themselves Jews for fear of the Jews had fallen on them. Watch what is happening. Watch what God does. God makes even your enemies to be at peace with you. And God brings his honor upon you. Because there's honor upon Mordecai, isn't it? Now there's even honor on being a Jew. Isn't it? Now there's being... People want to be Jews. People want to be Jews. Excuse me. Weren't these guys that were the ones that are supposed to be killed next year? Yeah. And you all want to be like them? Oh yes. 
Why? Well, they are powerful people, man. Have you seen what their God has done for them? God has just returned, re- reversed this whole thing. The guys that were at the bottom, now he has set to be up there. And man, these people, mm, don't mess with them. When Moses sent the two spies into the promised land, into, into Jericho, first city that God had given Israel to destroy, he sent two spies. And they ended up in a prostitute's house, Rahab. Prostitutes. And you think about Rahab, she's in the line of the genealogy of Jesus. Did you know that? A prostitute. And it always says, Rahab the prostitute. I love that. Because, you know, some people have these, these, these protocols and think that, oh, because, you know, I've never drunk, I've never done this, I've never done that, I'm an okay person, and I fit to be in the genealogy. Not Rahab, my friend. Rahab was a prostitute. She owned a brothel. Mm. But here's what Rahab says. Oh, listen to the two spies. News of you has come to us. How you've defeated the, the kings along the way. And right now, our hearts have melted. Why? Because we heard of you. Oh, that's what God does. When somebody fears God, I tell you the fear of God is on that person to the people that are against them. Hallelujah. I tell you, you have nothing to fear. You just have to fear God. You have nothing to be scared of. You be scared of God. I tell you, He'll take you to places where you never thought you could even reach. I tell you, there are people that will get scared of you. Not, in fact, people with more money than you, more education than you, more of everything than you, will get scared of you because they realize there's the power of God on this person. Amen. See, that's what happens when he takes you from being a victim to being a victor. He brings that honor. And when you put your trust in him, as opposed to you, some of us are stupid enough to, to, to think of ourselves, but you know, I'm not handsome enough. I'm not beautiful enough. It's not about you. That's why you're stressing so much and have so much BP. You will never change yourselves. You are just like that. Let the power of God come upon you. Let that be the fear of God upon you. See how God is going to use you. See how even people will respect what you have. You'll even be surprised. Why are all these people acting like that? They're grown men. Why are they acting like I'm something? Yes, I am something. Because God has set His glory upon me. May He set your glory, His glory upon you. May He set His honor upon you. May there be something about you from God that opens doors for you. And I tell you, my friend, if you keep thinking of yourself as this victim, You are actually sinning. You are sinning. Because you are not believing what God has said about you. God has powerful things for your life. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, He knew you. He knew you. You are not here by chance or by accident. Don't let life shift you. And annihilate you into a nothing. You are a something in God. You are a something in God. And understand that it is the power of God upon your life that is going to get you into the destiny that God has for you. God's kingdom breakthroughs will transform you from being a victim to being a victim.
Thank you for listening to the Kairos Lolongwe podcast. I trust you've been blessed. Please do us a favor and share this podcast with friends on Facebook, Twitter, WhatsApp, and whatever social media you're on. May the Lord break you through into your kingdom destiny. Blessings.